Hi, I'm Vogue Williams, your host for Taboo Talk, the brand new podcast from Boots that asks the taboo health and wellness questions so you don't have to. This week, we're discussing all things sex and answering real questions sent in by you, the listeners, via an Instagram poll. Questions you felt were too taboo to ask friends or family. Everything from why I don't want to have sex and is masturbation healthy to how do I introduce sex toys into my relationship? With me today is Hannah Witten, a YouTuber, broadcaster, and author. Hannah specializes in sex education, sexual health, and relationships. She's written two books, Doing It and The Hormone Diaries, and she hosts the podcast Doing It with Hannah Witten, discussing sex, dating, bodies, periods, pregnancy, and disability. Joining her is sex positivity and body confidence campaigner Jessica Megan. A bloody good period ambassador, Jessica was nominated as a top health and well-being social media figure at the Cosmopolitan Influencer Awards 2019 and recommended by the female lead as one of the most positive health and well-being role models for teenagers. She's appeared on shows such as Channel 4's Bring Back the Bush, Where Did Our Pubic Hair Go? and has spoken openly about subjects such as the joy of masturbation. Girls, I'm one of those taboo people, by the way, like talking about sex is like kind of hellish for me. So I'm hoping you <laughs> oh, change it. <laughs> this is going to be an experience for you. This is going to be an experience for you. I can tell you that now. I kind of, I'm kind of excited by it because I told Sven, my husband, I was doing it. He was like, I would pay to watch you oh doing that. Um, <laughs> so I am excited to have the conversation and hopefully get a bit more comfortable oh, cool. with it. But Hannah, I'm going to start with you. As a sex expert, author and broadcaster, you probably get asked loads of weird and <laughs> random questions about sex by your friends, family and probably strangers. Is there one topic that people think is the most taboo, like the most hardest thing to ask you? Yeah, I will first of all say though that nothing is weird, right? Because a lot of people think yeah. that they're asking me a weird question. Um, and part of their worries is this is like, oh my God, this is going to be like the strangest thing ever. But I've like, I've heard so much stuff. <laughs> and if anything, I'm like fascinated by it all. Mm. But I think the thing that people themselves think is going to be a weird question would be stuff around maybe like fetishes and kinks, because sex is already taboo. And then you've got taboos within that. Um, which yeah. is that kind of area, yeah. So fetishes and kinks are the, are the weird, well, not the weirdest thing, they're the hardest things for people to ask about really. Yeah, because they think that it's more taboo. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose something just a little bit more out of the norm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is what kink is, just non-normative sexual interests and behaviour. Uh, what? Tell me, what is the biggest misconception people have about their own sex lives? Oh, that it like doesn't hold up to the standards of like what everyone else is doing or what they think that they should be doing. We all have this imaginary bar of like, this is what a healthy, normal, good sex life is. And everyone thinks that they're not hitting it. But actually this bar that we're all comparing ourselves against like does not exist. I I think a lot of people kind of bullshit their way as well. And it's like, that's not like, and when you're married for a certain amount of years, you can still have a great sex life, but it's not like you're going to be going as wild out there Mm -hmm. and doing it as many times a day as when you first got together. And we have these value judgments that we place on that of like the wild, horny sex at the beginning in the honeymoon phase is better than the 
like not experiencing as much desire, not having as much sexual frequency, we think that one is better than the other when actually like our sexual desires and behaviors ebb and flow over the course of relationships, over the course of our lives, over the course of like so like many different things that are going on with us. And none is better than the other. They're all just like different. And a lot of the times we think it's our thinking gets worse is what makes it not feel as good because we think that we're not performing our best sex lives. You're not being the porn star that you think you are. Yeah. And that's where the pain and the struggle comes in. But if you just accept like, oh, this is just my sex life now, that's fine. Yeah. Then you might not be hurting as much inside. Uh, Jessica, you are open about sex and body acceptance. What made you think that this is something that we all have to be talking about? <laughs> I'm very, I'm going to take you on such a ride when you were just like, I am, <laughs> I feel a little bit awkward. I was just like, oh, it's going to be exciting for you. And I love listening to you, Hannah, honestly, like the way you talk about sex and the, the what you just said there about the difference between the beginning and the, and like how we criticize ourselves based on what we think other people are doing mm-hmm. is like probably the biggest problem we have when it comes to sex a lot of the time. But listen, like we all have a human body and human bodies are made of cells and bone and hair guts. It's a mishmash of stuff. Not only that, the human body, although it's fantastic and gorgeous and worth celebrating, is also objectively like it's one of the freakiest things. We are all just, <laughs> we're all just walking petri dishes. We're like, warm and moist and soft. And um, I think that I just want people to understand that there is no, I don't think there should be any shame surrounding the human body itself. The human body is such a natural thing and it's brilliant. It's fantastic. It's beautiful. And we have so much to thank for it. The fact that we can have orgasms, I'm going to probably say that a lot throughout this like podcast. The fact that we can have an <sighs> orgasm is such a gift And it's such a beautiful thing. Like, I know that, you know, there are some women out there that can't have orgasms, you know, shout out to them as well. Like, I don't want them to feel excluded, but shame breeds stigma. Let's talk about it. Let's get it out in the open. There's nothing to be ashamed of. Do you ever just like overthink sex a bit too much where you're like, oh my God, our bodies are like smushing against each other. And like, isn't this just like the weirdest thing? And it feels good. Like, how does this feel good? Yeah. Like, oh my God, like this is really bizarre. Like the fact that we have this kind of galaxy, these fireworks of like chemical reactions that are giving us these like feelings is just, it's absolutely bizarre. But that's one of the beauteous things of having a body. Like, and I think we need to talk about that and celebrate it. I already have another question for you. Um, <laughs> got a bit off piece. You said that some women just don't get orgasms at all. Is there not like, can everyone not find a way to have an orgasm or is it just doesn't happen for some people? The only reason I know about this is because I've had women on Instagram messaging me and telling me like, I talked about, I talk about masturbation a lot and I talk about sex a lot on my platform. So I have women saying to me like, I've never had an orgasm. Like, I don't know what that feels like. They say that they feel the experience up towards the mm-hmm. orgasm, but then they don't actually have that sort of waterfall, that kind of effect that like, you know, you really think an orgasm should feel like the release. Thank mm-hmm. you, Hannah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's, I don't know if that's especially common. That's the only thing I will say. Like, but I did have like, you know, when I, when I held the session, I had at least like three or four messages just saying like, I don't think I've ever had an orgasm. And it wasn't necessarily because they hadn't tried. They just hadn't experienced it Mm -hmm. yeah so I thought that was really interesting it's just something I always try and point out because it's like I don't want them to feel excluded they're missing out and they're never gonna like get to experience it and so and plus you know we talk about orgasms a lot like they are the absolute like summit of sex when actually it doesn't always have to be the case Mm -hmm. yeah 
And oftentimes like striving for that summit means that the journey there is miserable. <laughs> exactly. I was literally, I literally wrote this down. I was like, imagine you're watching a film and all you're thinking about is I can't wait for the end. Oh. Right. <laughs> The end is going to be the best part. Like, no, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a brilliant, it's a process. It's a movie. You know, you're not watching the movie to go, oh, I can't wait for the end. You're going through the experience of it. And that's, yeah, got to focus less on the orgasm. Who do you think are the worst overthinkers, men or women? Oh, I honestly think it's all of us. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. But I think that it's more acceptable for women to kind of like have that overthinking especially because I think this at least these days with like the sex positive movement there's a lot of spaces out there that where women and also like LGBTQ plus folks can overthink about these things and interrogate these things and talk about these things Mm. whereas I think that like men, especially cis men, are still very much doing all of their thinking internally (laughs) and not in community with people. And I would love to see more of that. Yeah, me too. Me too. I was reading in, uh, I think it was in the Telegraph yesterday. I I sound very intelligent. Did you see the Daily Mail for me? I'll be honest. Um, But uh, there was a supplement and the woman who created, like she was a co-founder of Made, Mm. the furniture place, she started up an app. Did you read that? And she started up this whole app all about it's called karma or something it's in karma sutra but she's like a 53 year old woman and she's like she's such a huge sex advocate and she was married for years and years and then she kind of went off and then she like just rediscovered herself and she started up this whole app where all conversations like this are happening and how important masturbation is and how important like basically teaching people to have sex but I'm not sure that you can actually just teach someone I think it's something that you're just in the moment with and like everybody has their own way but do you think that sex can be taught yes a hundred percent yes so I think actually it's really dangerous to have this like idea of like oh sex is natural when you get older when you hit a certain age and you're suddenly allowed to have sex suddenly your body and your brain will be like oh I know what I'm doing like this is all part of the human experience and I know exactly what to put where I know exactly how to ask for what I want I know exactly how to ask somebody else for what they want I know exactly how to make myself have an orgasm I know exactly how to experience pleasure like we don't know these things and especially because of like the stigma and the taboo and all of these messages that we receive around it, all of those things are actually like barriers for us to be able to access this more like animalistic, like the more like natural side of like our sexual experiences. I think if we, if we lived in a vacuum, yeah, sex is like this natural thing that we'd be like, right, let's go. blah, And you'd, and you would figure it out by experiencing it, Mm. but we don't live in a vacuum. And so we're already receiving messages about how to have sex, how not to have sex. And so actually you do need to teach these things of like how to do it safely, uh, enjoyably, consensually, like all of these things. I think it's so important. But you also have to like experience it for yourself oh, to yeah. figure out what you personally mm-hmm. want yourself. Mm-hmm. A lot of learning comes from experience for sure. But I definitely think I get so many questions from people like, it's just like, how do I ask for this thing? And how do I do this thing? And like, and even just like technique can sometimes be like fun to learn. Yeah. I remember learning like from this resource online where they have like these videos of all different people, women like with vulvas showing you in videos of like how they masturbate. 
and being like, I do this, I do this like circling motion and then I do this and then like I bring myself to like this point and then I bring it back down and I'm like, this is amazing. (laughs) I learned about edging from that website. It's great. What the hell is edging? (laughs) So edging is where you bring yourself to like right before orgasm, but you don't let yourself come and then you slow down and like Mm -hmm. go right back to slowing it down and like from the beginning again and build yourself back up again to that brink and then you take yourself right back down again it's brilliant highly recommend and then it means that when you eventually do allow yourself to come obviously somebody else can do this to you as well or you could do it by yourself the orgasm is like because you've been holding it in for so long Well, Jessica, you actually did a campaign recently. You promoted the importance of masturbation and Boots did do an Instagram shout out to discover what listeners would most like to know. And questions about masturbation came up like a lot. Mm -hmm. And it is actually, even me sitting here, it is really, really interesting. So first of all, why did you decide to discuss the sticky stuff, as you called it? I did. Uh, And why (laughs) do you think it's so important? Oh man, why did I call it sticky stuff? I think it's because it was hot. And at the end of the day, like it gets sweaty around there, <laughs> but like, okay, like, like I love masturbation. I think it's one of the greatest joys of having a human body. I want everyone to be masturbating. I think there are brilliant toys you can use to get off, but you can also go like medieval and use your hand. Um, I just want people to explore their bodies because there's, like I said earlier, there's a, there's a galaxy of chemical reactions and finding what makes them tick is really good fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for women and non-binary people, especially like vulva owners, trans people, there's been a lot of shame associated like with our genitals. Like when you first start to grow pubic hair or you get a period or it starts to smell different as you get older and all of these different signifiers that alert you to, you know, becoming a woman, you know, the process of growing from a girl into a woman, it's intimidating And a lot of women, I think, suddenly become overtly self-aware and people start to point out new things on your body, like your boobs or your legs. And your body stops becoming this thing that you use to chase bubbles or jump in paddling pools. And it becomes something for other people to comment on. And because of how messed up our society is when it comes to like blaming women for everything, like was she asking for it? We end up blaming ourselves for this attention that we get from, from strangers. And during our formative years as young girls, into teenagers to young women, we learn that our bodies must either be like hidden or dressed up or shown off to attract attention from strangers um, or the opposite sex mostly. So our bodies don't feel like ours. So like that whole thing I just said is leading to a point. So our bodies start to not feel like ours anymore and they feel like a thing we use to please or conform with. And I think if we all masturbated without shame, we would have a society of women who are sleeping better, they're happier, they're more sexually in tune with themselves, they're less likely to call back their toxic exes. Masturbation is, on its own, absolutely magical. And that is why I preach masturbation as much as I do. Woohoo! Love that. Yes, yes, Thank yes. Thank you. <laughs> Cosign. How, how often are you girls doing it? Like, is it an everyday thing or like every second day? How much is too much? Go through phases. Mm. I remember like I would go through phases of like every day. Mm. I don't know. Also, I will say I didn't have my first orgasm until I was 20. I was like, I was trying so hard. And also as a teenager, I thought that masturbation was like <gasps> not for girls. <laughs> I thought it was not for me. I was like, that's something that the boys do. And so I just had a whole bunch of like shame around that. 
Yeah. And then when I kind of worked through that, I then was at a point where I was like, I couldn't physically orgasm. And I was like, this is rubbish. Like I'm being punished. (laughs) (laughs) And then eventually I got there with thanks to a vibrator and some pornography. But yeah, no, definitely go through phases. Like Mm. I sometimes use it to get to sleep these days. Mm. Yeah, we had a podcast all about period chat Mm. and we learned that, um, well, I learned, I never even thought about it, but it does make sense that like during ovulation, you're more like you want to have sex more, you want to masturbate more. And then when you're like coming up to your period, it's like, well, you just don't want to touch me. (laughs) Don't go near me. I feel like crap. (laughs) So I suppose it would have a lot to do with that as well. But you're both talking a lot about sex toys. Are they like really important for masturbation? It depends. Mm. I I go through phases with sex toys as well, like get really into them and then I'm like oh my trusty fingers <laughs> I found it was the it, like I, my first time ever doing it it was like yeah I will come back to the sex toy thing the first time I, I ever doing it it was actually it was a feeling that arose in me I found like a sexy mag I can't oh, it was like a big it was a big magazine mm-hmm. and I was just like I felt like a feeling down there and I was like it just it was honestly the most like beautiful natural thing I just felt like Oh, it all, it all kind of came together and then I had an orgasm. And then I started using sex toys because, I mean, you can order from certain places and they can like, you know, they'll come in a discreet box. And that was like, I mean, I can't even, the first time you use a sex toy and have an orgasm, it's like, it blows your mind. <laughs> but I became really reliant on them mm-hmm. rather than seeing them as something that you supplement your masturbation techniques with. And so... I grew because you, you kind of grow like a a tolerance level. And so I could only have an orgasm with like the highest setting of, of the vibrator. So I was basically Mm. just like buzzing my nether regions into some kind of like just comatose state (laughs) every single time I was masturbating. I had the feeling as well, like the feeling I had after I'd finished, I remember my clitoris was just like, yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> you always know when you've just like done, done it a bit too much. <laughs> exactly. And like, you know, there was, and sometimes I've gone through phases of masturbating so much where I'll like, I'm, I'm like chafing or, and it's just like, this is painful. Why am I doing this? this is a bit bizarre. Like, and the more I've kind of become in, and these are all. Use lube if you're chafing, my love. Lube is like, I was literally, I'm like, it's my thing I was going to say at the end. Like, what would you recommend? I'm like, lube all the way. Even love lube. just for your masturbation sessions, yeah. Exactly. And, you know, like, don't ever think, oh, it's not a good enough time to use lube. Lube is always good. But it was just, it became something that I just, you go through phases, you have to go through a learning process. There were times where I would get, it would get too painful. And then eventually it came with the process of self-appreciation. The more I got to learn about what my body likes, the more I was more in tune with, okay, like, do I feel like masturbating tonight? Like sometimes it's just to get me off to sleep mm-hmm. and it's a lot, lot better now. And the best part is that I've started introducing lower settings and stuff and trying to use my fingers and just trying to get my body used to a lower kind of vibration or just a, like a sort of less a more dull sensation because I don't always want it to be like danger high voltage every single time I have an <laughs> orgasm sometimes I just want it to be a pleasant experience that I'm just enjoying with myself mm-hmm. so yeah sex toys are amazing and there are some brilliant ones out there so I definitely also recommend like trying some I think people get quite reliant on like a toy mm-hmm. which is fine we can all have yeah. our favorites and nothing wrong with that but definitely give other things a go as well and just try and explore other areas what about for like a newbie right what are you gonna somebody who's never ever used a sex toy what are you gonna tell them to get I would say find a sex toy that replicates what you like 
in real life. Mm -hmm. So if you're into clitoral stimulation, find a toy that does that. If you're into internal stuff, find a vaginal toy. If you're into kind of like dual, both at the same time, find a toy that does that. Like whatever it is that you like with the flesh, find a toy (laughs) that will do that. Because like if you're a clit person and you're like, okay, my first toy is going to be like a non-vibrating dildo. Why? (laughs) That makes no sense. Or like a glass one, which can also be good, but mm-hmm. like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, why would you, it's having something that's just exactly like Hannah said, it's going to, it's going to stimulate the area. Like I've had women that say to me, they're a bit f- like frightened of like the penetrative ones. Like they're not really a hundred percent on that. And I'm like, well then just get yourself a little, like maybe start out with a bullet yeah, and just build up and explore and find out what it is that you like. Mm-hmm. And come here to me. So do you think does masturbation lead to a better sex life? I think it can for sure. Mm, yeah. I think that masturbation can like, it adds to it. I don't think it takes anything away from a partnered, from partnered sex. It can just add to it because mm. um, you can learn things obviously about your pleasure and how your body works and stuff. Um, it can also just like help with your just general sexual well-being, mental well-being, um, your yeah. confidence, um, and yeah. all of these all these lovely side effects of masturbation. <laughs> I think it absolutely. I think it absolutely can as well. Like, and oh my god, and that's that's truly what I want as well when I speak on masturbation. Like, I think, like I mentioned earlier, a lot of our agency has been like kind of taken away from us and our ability to enjoy our bodies and. Because so often we don't see them as ours, we see them as a list of things that we need to fix or shape or tone or whatever. But really, they are just fantastic how they are. And our bodies have given us so many experiences. One of the best bits is that we get to experience an orgasm, which is just this brilliant biological like crescendo. So when we focus on how much pleasure our bodies can give us, we can learn to associate being in our bodies with pleasure, like women who are comfortable with their bodies not like tend to enjoy their sex lives more fully, like giving yourself an orgasm is such an indulgent thing. And by that, I don't mean it's like selfish. I mean, it's self-care. It's, mm-hmm. it's self, it is, it, but it really is self-care. I think the word self-care gets thrown around a lot. Like here's a bath bomb. Like, <laughs> and I'm just like, no, no, but it's not. Is it really it's like self-care is like, you know, doing tasks that are going to actually like make you feel better in the long term and like yeah just give me all the orgasms give me all the self-pleasure like <laughs> I think it's a fantastic thing that I think it's a, a, a brilliant brilliant thing and I want I would love to just get more women just get it more normalized if more women here like it's a normal thing I just want them to feel like I just want them to make the most of that yeah and I will say as well that some people don't want to masturbate some people aren't interested in it some people have tried it and like it's not for me and those people can absolutely if they want to still have amazing sex lives with a partner yeah for sure Mm -hmm. and so it's not necessarily about like this is the one thing that's going to make your sex life amazing the thing that will make your sex life like amazing is being authentic to yourself 100% rather than what you think you should be doing yeah so obviously we had there's like these like two messages we were kind of raised with of like masturbation is bad and like don't do it especially if you're like a woman or some of the vulva like it's not for you like that's kind of like the messaging I got and then now we've got this like masturbation is amazing everyone should be doing it and like whilst I'm definitely like in that camp of like if you want to I think there's like this pressure from both sides of like oh it's really shameful and bad so don't do it otherwise like if you do it you're weird but then we also now have this other message of like 
also if you're not masturbating you're weird and I just want to say that like whatever you're doing as long as it's like what you want to be doing and you feel good about it great 100 percent. you know what? where were you two when we were growing up and you're both <laughs> so right like I'm listening to you right and like I actually don't feel uncomfortable within the conversation but I'm thinking to myself Yay. why was this not happening when we were younger and yeah. it's so nice to think that like people are following you and watching you and listening to you and like learning from you because it's it's such like a liberating conversation already. We, I feel like we've only started, but it is amazing to think. And so many people are interested and so many people obviously want to ask you things like our Instagram kind of blew up when we asked. And one of the ones we're going back to the orgasm, lots of women feel like, should they be having an orgasm every time they have sex? Or like, is it a bad sign if they don't have an orgasm? That seems to be a real worry amongst women that I never even would have thought about. Mm. Because the orgasm has become this measure of if the sex was good. Yeah. And that is just not the case. Whilst like it feels great to have an orgasm, but not all orgasms are made equal. Like some just like are like, like just like Peter out of the end. (laughs) And like some are incredible. And then like everything in between that. And I think there is like a real peace that you find like this freedom that you find when you can have um like a sexual encounter with somebody and you you know you're not going to have an orgasm and but that's fine and you're feeling really full you're feeling really satisfied like you've had a great time maybe they mm. had an orgasm maybe they didn't as well and you feel free and you feel comfortable and you feel empowered enough to say to that person like I'm feeling done. Should we call it a day? Like, like, and actually just being able to stop the sex or like finish the sex without there being this like official end point. Yeah. And and sometimes we feel like we have to like carry on and like struggle through to like sometimes get to the orgasm. And oftentimes I've found is that I've like, oh, I'm not going to come and but I've had a great time and I'm like, okay, it's not going to happen. That's fine. Oh, this, that, that was great kind of thing. And then like, actually what happens is you end up just like slowing things back down again because you're in that like heightened, like, okay, like it's, you know, we've been having sex for a while now. It's like go time, like orgasm, orgasm. And then you're like, eh, it's not going to happen. And you're like, okay, slow things down. And there's no pressure because in your mind, you're like, okay, we've stopped having sex, but actually you're like still kind of kissing a bit, still kind of fondling a bit. And then the next thing, you know, like you've had an orgasm because you're like, oh, (laughs) it was just maybe having that relaxation. Yeah. Sometimes that is the case. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, like, you mean, like most things you are normal, like whether you've got a high sex drive or you get horny a lot, or maybe you want to abstain from sex like completely. And here's something people very rarely talk about. And I've seen a lot, you know, on social media platforms like TikTok, people are getting a bit more open about it. Some people just don't really enjoy sex. And I don't just mean asexuals. I mean, like there are some people that just don't really enjoy it. And especially women can struggle with this because again, we've been taught that our bodies are supposed to look good during sex above all else. And our feelings and pleasure is secondary. Mm-hmm. And that is mentally exhausting. So if you're someone who thinks, actually, sex isn't that great. Like there's a lot of chafing. Often I get UTI and look, you know, (laughs) those are things that need to be addressed. I'm not saying, oh, just ignore that then. If you don't like it, just give up on it. Sometimes they, they might think, oh, I don't really orgasm. It's also just okay to not have a massively high sex drive. Like I go ham on like the human body and giving it pleasure and masturbation and sex because I think that these things are just one of the 
brilliant parts of life. But that, that is that is also a personal thing. Sex isn't a holy grail. And if you don't love it, it's not like you're missing out as much as you think you are. I think that sexual liberation is about finding out what works for you. Mm -hmm. It's not about you know, like, oh, I'm going to go out and have loads of sex with <laughs> as many people as I can. And because that's what sexual liberation is. Sexual liberation is just about finding what it is that makes you feel satisfied and happy. And if that doesn't mean having loads and loads and loads of sex, that's equally sexual liberation in itself. Mm -hmm. It's like that sexual authenticity again. Yeah. I love that phrase. Yeah, it's good. Do you think though that because we've all been in lockdown for so long that people are kind of like going to go back to like free love and just want to be going and having like loads of sex and be back out there and just feel like that or Maybe. do you reckon people are just still chill? I think there'll be some people that are like mega horny and just like ready to go. But I also think that like the last year and a half has been traumatic for so many people and like really stressful. Mm. And the, it's still not over. Like, <laughs> um, yeah. I don't, I don't remember like the pandemic calling me up and being like, you're good. To, it's over now. <laughs> <I'm leaving." laughs> but the, the last year and a half and just like everything that we've been through and everything we're still going through creates a level of underlying stress and trauma that actually isn't conducive to mm. experiencing sexual desire. And that is fine. Such a good point. Yeah. yeah. If the pandemic has made you less horny, then that is a completely expected response to what has yeah. been going on this last... The pandemic's not very sexy, let's be no. honest. <laughs> and it's also, if you think about it, it's made us scared, or some people, me as well, scared of human yeah. contact. Mm, yeah. Especially, yeah, you're not going to be like wanting to smoosh like <laughs> against like, someone else. Oh my else. God, like having yeah. my face near exactly. someone else. <laughs> yeah, 100%. I mean, when I when this started out, I think like me and I think like a lot of people, I had visions of like when we all kind of got out of the pandemic, we were all going to be at the starting gate. That's, the, that's how I had it. It was going to be like, there's going to be a starting gate. We're all behind it. We're going to be let out. And the summer was going to be like, every summer of love song ever written ever <laughs> yeah. right and then it was going to be the world would just look like a massive ibiza type party with champagne being thrown people dancing like crotch first like it would look crotch like one of those first. 2015 music videos you know with people sliding all over each other in pools and then there's just cameras everywhere and it's all going to be absolutely wild but i also think yeah like it's like hannah said there's still a lot of anxiety and people have become a bit socially awkward and we'll need time to readjust after a really long time in isolation. Yeah. People have yeah. lost people. It's been really, really galling and really like upsetting. And I think that I know a lot of people got divorces or broke up during the pandemic and there'll be people that are quite keen to get out there. Yeah, I think it's a bit too much to expect of people. Like, like I said, I was very sort of like rooting for this kind of like crazy party but <laughs> that's now I'm feeling it too I'm like well I don't really after being told for like a long time don't touch anyone mm -hmm. you know socially distant yeah. I'm not really there like yeah I want to smush my genitals against someone else's genitals and I want to like do all of this stuff it's I just you know I know I'm a, I've actually become a little bit like I just don't know if I'm ready for people yeah. like in general <laughs> like yeah. let alone having sex with them so. and also if you've lived with a partner throughout all of this I think there was like this expectation at the beginning of like oh you're locked down in your house with your partner like you're gonna be banging all the time like yeah constantly during work meetings like lunch is oh just my goodness like, yeah Ooh. like afternoon delight but actually what you find is that like if you spend 24 seven with your partner, <laughs> that 
doesn't create like (laughs) an erotic environment. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm laughing because I'm like, yep. (laughs) If you found that you and your partner have been having less sex, even though you've been spending more time together, don't worry about it. Yep. (laughs) That's expected. You'll be grand. Yeah. Book a holiday somewhere. But separately, go on separate holidays. This is the thing. (laughs) Spend time away from each other and then come back together. And then that's the thing. Like eroticism needs distance Mm. and it needs a bit of mystery and it's, and that's sometimes why we find it hard to have that heightened like sexual desire for our partner like in a long-term relationship because suddenly they become so familiar to us mm. and we so like true. see them all of the time and that kind of like erotic energy is something that you can cultivate still in that kind of relationship but you have to consciously create scenarios in which like maybe you're not together 24 seven or maybe like you're doing new things together. So it feels different. And you're like learning a new thing about your partner of like, Oh, I didn't know that about you. And suddenly like, there's that element of like, Oh, getting to know somebody new, like there's this thing I didn't know about them. And that kind of like can help with that kind of thing. And I love what you said earlier as well about, you know, the whole, when you, when you were talking about being in an old relationship, do you know (laughs) Esther Perel? Yes. Yes. Esther Perel, she was the person who I heard about this from, this idea of like the woman in the relationship or the man in the relationship would say something like, but isn't it supposed to just be natural? Aren't we just supposed to want to have lots of sex and aren't we just about, and she was like, why? Where did you get that idea from? And mm-hmm. they were just, and it was just <laughs> like, well, you know, you, you know, if you find someone sexually attractive, like, or if you're, surely it should just be a natural thing. She's like, but why? Like, why does it have to be like that? Like, this is just an idea we've been kind of ingrained with. And I love that you brought it up earlier because it was like reflective of that. And I was Mm -hmm. just like, yeah, why does it have to be that way? It's only, again, it goes back to that thing of this is what we've been taught in movies or in porn. And this is what we've seen. And this is what we think it should look like. But it's just, it's just not like, that's not how it has to be. No. And like movies and stuff and like the rom-coms and the the romance films that have like really hot sex scenes and stuff in them it's like I mean I love them but again we have to kind of like remember that it's not going to be the case that two people are just suddenly going to be like rah okay and then we have like the hottest sex ever without even communicating about it and you're like (laughs) that is so unrealistic and maybe you might be able to have that with like somebody who you have known for a while and there's been that communication beforehand but that all happened off camera like they're not showing that on screen exactly it's the explosive moments it's the highlight reel that you're seeing you're not seeing the the communicative the kind of like what people would consider the boring parts of that relationship it's not the boring parts but of course that's that's what's what builds that like foundation Mm -hmm. of trust And actually, I think because if we constantly try and replicate the highlight reel part of the movie, like, actually, that can be a breeding ground for like, it can be very problematic. You know, the idea of like the guy that's just always like following the girl around and like trying to get her number and that sort of stuff. Like we copy and paste what we see. It's exactly. But like, I mean, when I was young, I was like, this is the height of romance. Mm -hmm. How come a man has never climbed my drain pipe? Like that. And it's like, now I'd be like, that would be stalking. And I would not be okay with that. You'd be like, get down. I'm calling the police. (laughs) Yeah, I'm calling the police. Well, this one, this one is for both of you then. If you could pick one sex or sexual wellness taboo to break right now, what would it be? Ooh, 
There are so many to choose from. <laughs> there really are so kind many. Kind of like that one you were just talking about, though, the thing that you just expect a relationship like that to be like a movie when it's not actually like that, or sex to be like porn, which so many people think that it's supposed to be like that. Mm-hmm. For me, it's like, it's not what it's actually like. I think that's been the theme of this conversation in a way. It's been, don't compare yourself to what you think other people are doing because they're probably not doing that. Yeah. It's just because we live in a hypersexualized society where we constantly see like, you know, porn is always to the absolute extreme or like movies are always like, I mean, we've got better representation in movies and and TV series now, Mm -hmm. but it's still pretty like gendered. It's still pretty like there follows a certain narrative. And so I think it's like, that's how it looks up on the big screen, but that's not how it is in real life. And I don't think we should be setting our standards and trying to replicate that. The other thing I would say is like just on the off, because like we mentioned it earlier is, normalize lube like that's another thing i would really like to normalize because as a woman who loves lube and gives lube to all of her friends like because i get sent a lot of it and i love lube i thought and this is problematic in itself when i was younger that lube was only for older people yeah and so there was like that stigma of like if i can't get wet enough like that's like uh, like I've got a problem mm-hmm. and actually that only happens in menopausal women which in itself is an ageist problem that I possessed um as a younger like woman but now I'm saying like there's no shame in using lube if you need to use lube and it makes it more comfortable for you go for it like you know it's fantastic get slippy put a towel get down get slippy oh my god get slippy I love that also the like happy couples have sex three times a week thing that's a complete myth yep. not not real yeah and it is the three times a week isn't it some some weeks some weeks <laughs> <laughs> on a good week it's always like yeah but it is always like three times a week and it's like oh my god but I do have friends that like openly admit they're like we only do it one week on a Saturday once a week that's it that's our day yeah. and they ha- and that works for some people yeah. but like yeah it's it's completely different but I've got loads of social media poll questions mm. for you now Jessica uh-huh. a lot of our listeners worry about whether their sex lives are normal or not their desire levels how much sex they are or aren't having their level of experience all that kind of jazz what would your answer be to people asking when it comes to sex am I normal you are normal so of course normal. you're normal like whether you have like I said like earlier whether you have a high sex drive if you get horny if you abstain from sex completely like it's normal like normality does not have to exist under it normality is so personal and it's such an individualistic thing you're fine the way you are like I said earlier sex isn't the holy grail and if you don't want to be having loads of it that's okay you are fine the way you are. The only time you might need to see a professional is like maybe if your desires or urges become like addictions and they're taking over your life in some form. And and of course, it must always be consensual for everybody involved. That goes without saying. Mm-hmm. But you are absolutely normal. And I, whatever sexual liberation looks like to you, like I mentioned earlier, that is completely and utterly like your choice. It's yeah. all about what makes you feel good. Um. Hannah, here's a good one for you. Mm. One of the questions that came up with our male listeners is premature ejaculation. Obviously, again, we can't give you medical advice on this, so we're going to focus on the emotional or behavioral side. So speak to your doctor if you are worried, obviously. But Hannah, do you have any tips for men who have premature ejaculation? Yeah, so a lot of it could come down to like anxiety and just general like worrying about things and oftentimes with anything to do with sex like something that we don't want to happen 
we then worry about it happening and then that makes it more likely to happen. So it's just mm, yeah. such catch 22. It can be so frustrating, but with anything like this, talking to your partner about it, which is, I know, easier said than done, <laughs> like talking about sex, even for someone like me, like talking about sex in this kind of context, I'm like, yeah, I got this. Talking about sex with my partner when it when I'm like actually trying to share something vulnerable, oh my goodness, it's still <laughs> so hard. So I, I get that. But the thing is, is that communication gets better with practice and like bad, fumbly, messy, not quite being able to put words to what you're thinking and feeling kind of communication is better than saying nothing at all yeah so like embrace that it's gonna be messy and like try and like have that back and forth with your partner about what's going on and seeing if there's like some reassurance that you need maybe or like things um that you could try and like slow things down and the slowing down can be really helpful as well this is by no means the case for everyone who experiences premature ejaculation. And as you said, like, if you want to seek medical advice about it, like go to your GP. But one thing that I've heard from people of why they think that they experience premature ejaculation is because like when they were younger masturbating, there would be this like time constraint because they would need to do it before somebody else needed to use the bathroom because there was like a lack of privacy in home like when you're younger because you're living with other siblings or parents and stuff and so you have to do it really quick because you've got like this five minute window of like when you can masturbate and so it means that like even though when you're like an adult and you're in your own home and like no one's gonna barge in on you and like it's all good. Your brain is still like in that like teenage realm of like, oh, it's got to happen quickly. Mm. (laughs) There it is. So it might be that, yeah, maybe go to a GP or like you could see a sex therapist as well. Like there's lots of professionals out there that can help like unpack these things if that applies to you in terms of being able to slow things down and like really trying to embody, I have the time. (laughs) We don't need to rush things. But also- Premature ejaculation is not like the end of the world. There are loads of things that you can do to have like sexy fun times with someone that does not require an erect penis, just so you know. (laughs) There you go. And I think just in general, when it comes to suggesting things to do with a partner or like wanting to try new things, my main piece of advice is always to approach everything with curiosity. And so what I actually really mean by that is approaching it without any expectations and without any prejudgment on how it's going to go or what you want it to be like. Mm -hmm. Okay, question for both of you. What is the one thing you'd like listeners to know that you think would improve their sex lives immeasurably? That's a tough one. Girls, improve everyone's sex life right now. Just do Go. it right now. Like right, this morning, like, you know, me and Hannah are just like, you know, improving everyone's sex life immeasurably in one morning. Let's do it. Yeah. Look at it. Yeah. Look at us go. I feel like you kind of will from the whole conversation, <laughs> actually. I hope so. I would love everybody, whether you're single or in a relationship or whatever, whether you're having sex or not having sex, like, to create a want, will, won't list. Mm -hmm. And so you do this by yourself. And then if you do have a sexual partner, 
you can share yours and cross-reference with each other. So the way that this works is you think of every sexual act under the sun. (laughs) And actually you can go online and you can find like lists of things and then you can organize it onto your list. So want, your want column is everything that you are interested in doing. You're like, I want this. And also you can start super small. So it doesn't have to be all like super sexy, sexy stuff. Like it can be like holding hands, snuggling on the sofa and then you can like go all the way up to like whatever your kinks and fetishes might be as well like you can you can populate this thing with with all of the stuff so want you're into you want it will is like it's not a priority for you but if somebody else really wants to do it you are like you're willing to be there and be that person and like do that thing won't is like a do not ask like this is a a hard limit. This is an absolute no. And so then what you want to do is if you have a sexual partner to compare what is in your want and your will columns and see what crosses over and like have a conversation about it. It doesn't mean like, okay, like immediately now we've got to do all of these things. Um, but it can be a good like prompt to start having a conversation. Like if, if talking about sex is something that is really difficult for you, doing this exercise by yourself and suggesting it to your partner and having that time alone to do it and then come together fully clothed with no expectation that sex is going to happen immediately after having this conversation. Maybe you're just having dinner. Like it's a non-sexual context, but you share your lists and just like see where that conversation takes you. Good and very organized. And I like a bit of organization. I love lists. I love a list. (laughs) I love that. I think that's great advice. I've never heard of that technique before. I think that's really, really good. Yeah. Uh, So I guess my advice is a bit more vague. I think Hannah's advice was a lot more like... I love a good practical tip. (laughs) That was, that was me. That was, that was, I was just like, mine's not so much practical, but I love that. And I'm like, mine's a bit more vague. So... I suppose my mind would be trust your body. Mm. Your body knows like a lot more than you give it credit for. I think a lot of the time, you know, we've grown up and our, what we actually like and what we want and what feels good. And I don't just mean sexually, I mean in general, has been stifled by so many different messages of like, this is what you should like. This is what, this is, you know, this is what you're supposed to like, you know, this is how you're supposed Mm. to present yourself. And so you get confused. You're like, well, do I, I don't, I don't really know what I like actually, because I've been so confused my whole life by all these different messages. And I think your body actually has a really good bull crap detector for like, you know, what, what feels good for it. And you have to be a team. And this is why I talk about, you know, self-love a lot. I mean, like really self-love, like you are friends with your body, like you're a team. Check in with yourself afterwards, after you've had a sexual experience and see how you're feeling. Ask yourself, like, how do you feel about that? Is that something that you would want to do again? I mean, talk to your body like it's your friend. Like, how did that feel for you? Did you like that? Because mm-hmm. your body knows it's got a really good intuition and it will, it will go, I don't really, I, I hurt now. And actually that wasn't great. And I feel a bit, you know, I feel a bit resentful. I feel a bit used or something. I don't like the word used, but you know, I just feel a bit like unsure about what just happened. And mm. having self-love and knowing yourself will send you in the directions of partners that are often better sexually suited to you. I've noticed this, whether it's happened naturally, I think it's just knowing myself better has meant that I've been sleeping with more people that respect and appreciate me as opposed to before when I had no self-confidence and I was my, I, you know, I didn't have a lot of bodily love. So I was just kind of sleeping with whoever would 
go, yeah, I'll sleep with you. (laughs) And I was like, okay, great. Yay. Someone wants to sleep with me. Now it's like I set that standard Mm -hmm. and it's for me. So obviously still masturbation, clean your toys, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Uh, try new things like work on being friends with your body and ask yourself, would I push my friend into doing what I'm expecting my body to do right now? Girlos, that was quite the chat. I absolutely loved that. I love that too. Um, it was really, really good. I think people are going to learn a lot from this. And it, it, it doesn't actually feel like, like well, before I was coming on, I swear to God, I was like, oh God, I can't, <laughs> I can't talk about this. And actually, I just feel like, oh, maybe I'll do one of those lists. Oh my God, yes. Know. Maybe I will. Let me know how it goes. Spenny's going to be like, what have you been doing this morning? Wouldn't you like to know? <laughs> I'm so uh, glad that you enjoyed it. It's going to be so helpful to other people as well. I think mm-hmm. and it, like I'm delighted that you two are 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 doing this whole thing. It's amazing. Thank you so much. And we I mean I think we speak for both of us. We're very glad to be doing yeah. it, I think. I mean, I just oh, you're doing the world a favor. I love Thank nerding out about all of this stuff. I'm just like fascinated by it. <laughs> oh my god, such a sex nerd. Yeah. I love that. I love it from you. I really do. I really enjoyed <laughs> listening to you. And on that note, we are going to wrap things up. I'd like to say a huge thank you to both Hannah Witten and Jessica Megan for joining me today on Taboo Talk. I hope we've answered a few questions, settled a few nerds and inspired a few conversations. I don't know about you, but I for one will never think about sex in the same way again. If you have any concerns about your sexual health or sexual function, please do seek professional medical advice. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate and review. If you want to start investigating sexual wellness boots has thousands of products to help you on your way including lube condoms and a range of sex toys as well as lots of information and advice on all things sexual health start your journey to feel as good as new at boots.com